right, and welcome to another episode of The Magic Circuit. I'm Mia. I'm Ben. And we're back with our third episode, uh, now on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music. Um, Amazing. Shout-outs to real companies for letting us dumb nerds into their actual content stores. (laughs) I have no idea why that happened or how it did, but uh, okay. Well, I know why it happened. It was because like we applied for it to happen. <laughs> it was because we applied for it to happen, and it did. But I mean, just because we applied for it doesn't mean that it actually had to happen. Yeah, we. I was saying this the other night, but I have no idea what their actual like what they check for when they decide whether or not to approve something. Yeah, me neither. Like, are there just and like who? Who like listens to the things? Do they listen to the things? Is there just an algorithm that just like picks up like racial slurs and like if you're saying really offensive shit then they just don't let you in or like i don't know how it works but anyways thanks apple podcast and google play music for putting us on your stores um, we are valid huh we are valid we are valid it's true um yeah this episode uh in honor of the 15th 15th 15th? 15th. Is it 15th? 15th anniversary of Fate's Day Night. We're just going to be kind of reflecting on uh, the original visual novel and kind of where it all started. Um, I guess where both of our interest in the series started. Um, yeah. And kind of where the series has come from, where it's going. It'll be, I guess this will be a little bit different from our usual, like, Oh, we're going to talk about Grand Order stuff. We're going to talk about general lore stuff. Um, we're just kind of reflecting. And I guess we could talk about maybe the New Heavens Feel movie. Yeah, that'll probably be a part of the conversation at some point, at I'm some sure. Point. Yeah. Um, so if uh, if you're not aware, January 15th, 2019 is the 15th anniversary of Fate's Day Night's release. Woo-woo. Also, incidentally, I found out today uh the 100th anniversary of the great boston molasses flood oh are you serious <laughs> yeah oh my god that's so funny uh, we're... uh but that that's neither here nor there fair enough um who why did that happen that wouldn't not have... i was like can we make this a noble phantasm who did someone make this happen if so uh so the idea with it was in the north end uh, back in the uh early 20th century the whole it's a classic, like, a Gilded Age Industrial America story where they mm-hmm. had, like, this molasses refinery or whatever you'd call it. Sure. Um, where they kept, like, the molasses in, like, these, like, massive holding cylinders. Um, and the liquid was under such pressure in one of these cylinders that I think they were, like, they were, like, dozens of feet tall. They were huge cylinders. Um, it was under such stress in there that it started to, like, rupture the cylinder from inside oh my god and in a classic move of uh pre progressive (laughs) legislation um they noticed that the cylinder was bulging and cracking and that molasses was leaking out of it so they painted the cylinder brown in order to hide that oh my god and then a couple days later it exploded and killed like 20 people i I remember that it killed like 20 people like definitely no more than 50 but it's still the fact that it happened is we're we're both we're both Boston people, by the way. So this is a little more relevant for us, maybe than like the rest of the people listening. Did you know? I actually looked up on our uh, our simple cast statistics that we got five downloads from Japan. So are you kidding? I'm I'm dead serious. If you want to, wow. if you want to check the, so uh, cool. the stats right now, I'm pretty sure it's five. 
Um, and then it's like, it's most of the downloads are from the US, then there's like a few in Japan, and then, uh, where's the other one? Hang on. Uh, there's some in Australia, Estonia, Malaysia, and there's one person in Puerto Rico. So shout out Amazing. to you, one downloader in Puerto Rico. I hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you download this one too. Yeah, if you're the one person in Puerto Rico, like add us on Twitter and let us know. Yeah, please. <laughs> or, I mean, like really, uh, the two people in Estonia or the two people in Malaysia or the yeah, three or, people in Australia or any of the five the people five in Japan. People, if, you're, if you're anybody, if you're listening to this, add us on Twitter. That's true. Yeah, at the Magic Circuit, <laughs> if you didn't know. Um, this is a great way to derail ourselves entirely. Yeah, um, but uh, to tie it back to fate, I don't think there's a way to... There's anybody you could make the Great Molasses Flood a noble phantasm of, unless you were doing like Andrew Carnegie and just imbued him with like all the power of Gilded Age America. Oh, and like all of the like, <laughs> like all of the like horrible industry disasters. disasters. Yeah, like uh, he hits you with the molasses flood, and then while you're like still recovering from that, and you're like <laughs> sticky and like drowning, he hits you with the triangle shirtwaist fire. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's like you get, you get stuck in the molasses, and that's like the stun, and then then he inflicts yeah, like right, ignite right, right. and burn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew Carnegie caster probably when. Yeah. I'd honestly be that would be really fucking funny. Andrew Carnegie caster, however, is not in Fate Stay Night. No, that's true. So that is true. We we're not allowed to talk about him anymore. <sighs> okay, wait, wait, but. But it could just okay, inflict, like, all status conditions. It could inflict, like, curse, <laughs> poison, and burn. It would be so sick. Okay, that was all I wanted to say. We're done now. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess, should we should we take a trip down memory lane? Let's. So, you actually started with Fate Stay Night, correct? Yes, I started. Yes. So, I first got into, like, Type Moon stuff through the original visual novel. Um, but then I actually... I I want to say what happened was I played up to the point where you meet Kotomine in the church and he like says some cryptic shit about like the war from 10 years ago. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> um, and then I like stopped and then it was like, oh, Fate's Day Night prequel, Fate Zero. And I was like, oh, you sneaky bastard. I'll go read that and then I'll be I'll have the context. Um, and then it, the, the light novel translations didn't exist yet. So then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just watch the anime. So then I watched the anime, and then I came back to Fate Stay Night, and then I played the rest and of it. And this would have been very shortly after Fate Zero came out, right? Um, Like, after the anime came out? Yeah, it must have been. It must have been. Yeah. Because I, I, I definitely did that in early high school. Um, and, oh, I think the Fate Zero anime is, like, 2011? I would say 2011 or 2012. Um, Wikipedia... Uh, yeah, 2011, October 1st, 2011, June 2012. Um, okay. So, I'm curious then, how did you, like, how did the, the visual novel end up on your radar in the first place? Oh, that's kind because of a good question. Because very few people start the series from the VN, just because it's, like, kind of hard to get to, and, like, not compared to, like, an anime adaptation or something. Right. Um... You know, honest to God, I don't remember how I got there. I think really? it could just be that around that time, I like, 
I was probably like on 4chan and I probably heard people talking about visual novels and I was like, what is a visual novel? Like, is this some like weeb word for something that like I already know? And then found out that it, it wasn't, uh, and that it, <laughs> it was a thing, a different thing entirely. Um, and then I think I did some digging and found like, I think, um, okay. If I, I have like the vaguest, vaguest memory of this and I'm not sure if this is right, but I, I used to like hang out on this like anime wallpapers website um (laughs) that had like a forum attached to it uh and it was called minitokyo.net which it does still exist um but i think those those are the places where back in the day everybody had their internet debuts like some super obscure forum yeah exactly exactly you stumbled upon god knows how and it had like 10 people who were active on it right but on this it seemed like there were actually a number of people and they also uploaded like um they like vectored uh like scans from stuff and then they also uploaded like original scans from like art books and things at like that all the images were like five thousand by six thousand so they just uploaded like these really like huge uh scanned images and i'm pretty sure at the time i'm assuming probably because it was just on the tail end of fate zero um Uh that there were lots of like saber wallpapers that were getting uploaded and i was like uh who is this and then I was like, oh, Saber, Fate's Day Night. And I was like, huh, what's this thing? And then I think it must have tied in with my, like, having just heard of, like, visual novels and then hearing that Fate's Day Night was a visual novel. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And then kind of, like, dipping into it from there. I definitely remember struggling to get the, like, the ISO up and running um, and, like, figuring out the, like, Japanese locale thing. Um, I definitely remember having to, like, futz with settings a lot and being very frustrated. And then, like, finally being like, yes, we're here. And then getting into the prologue and being like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and the prologue of Fate Stay Night is, is really rough. I remember <laughs> struggling to get through that part. Like, there's at least an hour of reading in that thing before you even, like, see a servant. Yes, it's Where, true. like, the most interesting thing that happens is, like, Shiro failing to use, uh, what's it, reinforcement magic to, like, fix a space eater. Doesn't that, uh, no, 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 but the, the original prologue is, it's from Rin's perspective, and then after that, it, oh. it doubles back into oh, the Shiro prologue. Oh, you're right, you're right, I forgot about that. Like, the, the UFO table anime, like, mirrors that structure. Um, you're right, you're right, because it, they had the episode zero. It's definitely yeah, that, like, okay. weird... So the, it does start strong, but then there is, like, an hour of reading in there where you're just, like, following Shiro while he, like, goes to his part-time job and <laughs> right. tries to fix equipment at school. Right, and it's like, what is this dumb kid doing? Where's our stupid magic battles? I definitely I remember thinking struggling a lot to get through like that early section. Yeah, yeah, I definitely remember thinking like, I think I didn't even realize that we had like switched narrators. Um, <laughs> I think I just got really confused because like Rin and Shiro's internal narration is actually like really similar. Um, and I don't know if you want to chalk that up to like early two thousands like Nasu writing, or if you want to say that's like a an important character thing that the two of them actually think very similarly um uh i think it being an important character thing would be a little too much credit and also not accurate i mean i don't know they they like the two of them have some overlap in stuff for very different reasons but they're also like very different people well, I, I think one of the, the cool things about the dynamic between the two of them, how, like, in every route, pretty much, with um, the partial exception 
of like parts of Heaven's Feel mm-hmm. um, is that like Rin and Shiro always like team up to some degree. Um, and they've got this dynamic going where obviously like Shiro is clueless and useless and Rin knows everything there is to know about the Holy Grail War and has to like constantly be educated and like keeping him caught up on what's happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, very frequently whenever like shit starts to go down, um, Rin is the one who will like freeze up and not know what to do. Whereas Shiro is like very cool under pressure. <laughs> cool under pressure might be a bit of a stretch. I feel like it's more like he's dumb under pressure. <laughs> well, well, maybe, but like, uh, I'm thinking especially of like when Bloodford Andromeda activates in school. Oh, those moments. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like Rin is like, I can't, I can't believe this is happening. Like, whoever's doing this because i don't think they knew it was shinji yet at that point uh whoever's yeah. doing this is going to like kill the entire sp- student body and she was like all right well let's fucking do something about it like snap out of it let's go right and i remember there's the part where like he's like looking at all the bodies and stuff and he's like oh like they're still breathing it's okay like if we get like help now like it'll be fine right. um and she's like how can you be so calm about this? And he's like, everybody I knew died in the fire. Uh, and then you get like the trauma of backstory. But I do think yeah. that is like, in all seriousness, that is like a really cool part of Shiro's character that like, I don't know that his past like visibly plays out in his actions. Right. Um, yes. Like in a very like concrete, tangible way. And like one that Which... actually feels kind of believable. Um, yeah. And I, I don't want to harp too much on like, no guys, Shiro's a good character because you know, it, that argument is kind of played out. Right. Even. I th- and I think everyone knows that Shiro is a good character. Um, just I, not if you watch unfortunately, the there, <laughs> Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who do not know that. But, yeah. like, but there, there's been a, enough debate on this subject that, like, I don't want to spend too much time harping on it. Oh, no, no. Um, I just wanted to say that because I know that he is a good character. <laughs> right. But uh, that is the the kind of detail about him that I think most people uh overlook as it happens um Mm -hmm. and i definitely it's something that like i certainly didn't notice upon like actually experiencing the media and had to have someone else point out to me oh yeah but it's a great a great detail it is very good speaking of someone else pointing things out to you was how did you did i convince you to read this thing yeah so um you had me and some of our other high school friends, we were, like, having a sleepover at your house. Oh, uh, yes. And we watched Fate Zero. Yes. And I think we watched, like, the first season in one night and then the second season in another night. Um, I think that's true, actually. We did, like, shotgun most of it. Yeah, we did. And then we watched uh, a bunch of Carnival Phantasm right after that. Oh, Even yeah. though we weren't actually familiar with any of those characters. And it was from there, I think I, like, asked you where... I could get, like, the bit that Carnival Phantasm was based on, and you directed me to uh, finding the visual novel. <laughs> I forgot that I made you watch Carnival Phantasm also <laughs> before having played Fate Stay Night or consumed it in any way. I have also shown Carnival... Like, I made Chris watch some of Carnival Phantasm with me. It's uh, just so Even though he knows funny. nothing about Fate. Yeah, it's... You don't need to know the characters. It's that good. Yeah. Like, it definitely benefits a lot from knowing the in-jokes, but you definitely, like... The fucking, like, race episode is so goddamn funny. <laughs> right. I, oh, God. Season four? When? Season three? I don't know. Like, 
on on Mal, the way that Carnival Phantasm is organized is so confusing. Like there there are like five different entries, and a lot of them are just one or two episodes. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More Carnival Phantasm when? Yeah, seriously. I guess we got like the the real manga shorts. Oh, yeah. Recently, I guess, which are kind of like a spiritual Carnival Phantasm successor. Yeah, I would definitely but... say that they're in the same vein, kind of like lots of in jokes, absurdist humor. <laughs> Like right. weird things happening for no reason. The animation being not like really better than the it really ought to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people. So this is the uh, the hottest issue that's facing the fake community right now. Is that for years <laughs> everyone has like everyone has said that uh, Carnival Phantasm is the best fake media. And <laughs> I know where you're going with this. You know, it sounds like a joke until. Like, someone tells you, no, like, actually, unironically, it is the best thing in the series. Um, but now, you have to wonder, is it still the best media? Or is Emiya Gohan the best fate media? Really, that is the question for the ages. And it's hard, I don't know, I mean, like, I think they fulfill, they're both, like, top-tier fate series things. But I definitely feel like... They, they like, serve different enough purposes that you can, like, you can put them both in, like, top tier together. You know, it's, like, it's mm-hmm. like if you're making, like, a Smash tier list, um, <laughs> you know how it's, like, they throw a bunch of characters in A tier, and it's, like, oh, just because, like, this one is before the other one in A tier doesn't actually mean that it's, like, really that much better. Yeah, that's true. Just that they have different strengths and weaknesses. So, here's a question. Do you think mm-hmm. that um, there is any particular reason why fate like lends itself well to this kind of thing where like this kind of spin-off that takes the original characters and either like makes jokes out of them or has like a cooking slice of life spin-off about them um because mm-hmm. it's definitely not something that you really ever see from other franchises i guess like the only other one i can think of is attack on titan had that like high school comedy spinoff but i don't think people actually liked that <laughs> is that uh, the one where they were like little chibis with like the spiral eyes i have no idea i didn't actually watch it myself so i don't okay. know what it was just that it exists in some form and uh-huh. that like nobody seems to think fondly of it uh-huh. um but everybody loves it when fate does it so do you think there's something about like the fate stay night cast that lends itself well to that or like the structure of the fate stay night story oh. or is it just or is it just like these things are good because they were made well and it just happens to be that this is the franchise they were made for that is a really good question um because i feel like it's funny like it's not even necessarily that all of the original stay night cast are like great characters because like you and I have talked at length before about, and there's lots of discourse on like Medea, for instance, caster. Yeah. Um, who there's definitely like, I know a lot of people like particularly women who like, like Medea, but they often like dig deep for like little lore bits and like hang on to those as being like, Oh, like this is the thing that's really important about like Medea's backstory and like how Medea's character is framed. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think, think that's that dumb and bad and Medea fans are wrong, but I don't know. I think that there's validity to it. Um, because I do think that Medea is a character that has a lot of like good ideas at her 
like root, but I think that she just wasn't handled the best in the original visual novel. Like I kind of I appreciate the like UFO table anime for giving us a little bit more like backstory, like specificity on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I don't think that did a ton to like save her personality. Um, and like I would still say that the. I guess what it feels like they do, like, for instance, Zomandia, definitely not my favorite character from Stay Night. Like, my favorite character from Stay Night, like, other than Shiro, maybe Rin? I don't know. Like, Rin and Sakura are both just, like, also pretty good characters. Um, yeah. But it's like, I don't know, the the part in Cardinal Phantasm where it's Medea and Soichiro in um the car and then they like turn off the road and then they're like oh we're leaving the race like sasaki you finish everything and then like sasaki comes out with a huge truck which obviously then is also hysterical because he has like the temple gate loaded in the truck into the truck yeah um but i feel like the reason why that moment works isn't like necessarily because medea is a good character it's like leaning into the aspect of medea that we all know and understand um and then, like, going and taking that, like, the extra mile. Um, right, which is kind of, like, how Carnival Phantasm works in general. Right, right. But, like, and, you know, I think that Emya Gohan does kind of a similar thing with her where they, like, you know, again, that episode, not my favorite, but also it was, like, pretty sweet in the end. Like, it, it's definitely, like, I, we've also talked about, like, how, like, we're constantly impressed with every writer's commitment to like making Soichiro like the flattest, most bland character possible. <laughs> but yeah, I do think the part where he like eats the food and is like, "If you make the food, I'll eat it," and she's like, "Oh," um, I think that's kind of cute. Um, and like that's kind of like the like "aw" moment of the episode, um, where right. we get kind <laughs> of like a little resolution <laughs> on that bit that was sort of like started and stay night and then never really got to have its resolution since like spoiler alert, they both die. <laughs> Right. Well, it's just mine. Like, if, if you think that you made it poorly, then you can try again. Yes, that's right. That's what he yeah. says. Which is nice. I don't know. Like, yeah. if I was right. living with my partner and I made a thing that was kind of bad and I really got bummed out about that and then they were like, yeah, you know, if you messed up, then you can just try again. And like, we'll eat it now. It's okay. Because I care about you. I would, I would probably start crying. Um, right. <laughs> you know. I, hopefully I wouldn't be dating someone who's exactly like Soichiro because I, I wouldn't want that and I wouldn't be very happy. But, uh, you know, that aside. Yes, I, I note that in your version of it, you added like three times as much emotion. It's true. But <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, but, like yes, I get, I get what you're saying. Medea cares about Soichiro even if the way that relationship is written is not very good. Um, and like to her those words meant a lot and like we the viewers like i feel like if i look at it not from the perspective of this is maybe just like giving too much credit or having too much empathy um but i definitely feel like it's like oh this was this moment is very poignant for medea who is like really upset that she kind of fucked this thing up and that was supposed to be like really nice and sweet but in the end like she was reassured by someone that she loved that it was good um and that's something that feels good to all of us. And I don't know, I guess I just feel like they take little moments like that in the sort of like fate slice of life spinoffs and just kind of like, they just lean into it in either like a funny or like a sweet way. They just kind of like know how to take the little like 
plot aspects. It's just like fan fiction, basically. Like, it's just like <laughs> I, yeah, they basically are like glorified fan fiction. It's just it's just fan fiction, and like, I think it's because like a lot of the characters' like personal dynamics um, and backstories don't really get as fleshed out um, in Stay Night, just because there's a lot of fighting. That right. like having like big canon fan fiction that lets us all sort of like scratch our collective itch of like what if these characters just stopped fighting and hung out <laughs> um which like you know it's just nice uh but like the dynamics that were established in stay night get carried over they just get transferred into like other contexts which i feel like is very much like at the root of like why people like fan fiction is because they can just yes. like take the characters they like and then put them in other contexts so do you think then that it's just like a matter of the writing in Emmy and Gohan and Carnival Phantasm being really good and not really anything special about this series itself. I don't know. Do you think it's anything special about the series itself? It, it feels like this was a question that, that you have a specific angle on. Um, I, I don't really have a specific angle. I, um, I'm leaning more towards it's not necessarily... Uh, some, it's definitely not something that could only be done with fate. Um, I agree. Yeah. I think that fate does end up, in the end, it lends itself well to it because uh, even with like Medea and Suichiro, who have extremely little personality, like what little personality they do have is distinct enough that it's easy to like imagine how they would act in other scenarios exactly yeah so that's what i think is actually like the strongest aspect of the original visual novel is that all of the characters in it feel so distinct from each other and even if they're not particularly good characters they feel like strong characters to some degree just because of they've got a lot of sense of presence yes i would agree with that like even um i don't know even in like um even with Mitsuzuri and uh, Issei and, um, oh god, the three girls who always hang out in the group. It's Makidera, Himuro, and uh, Sakidera? No, wait, no, it's Makidera. No, no, no. Makidera, it? Sa- no. Saki- oh god, you... Uh, 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 I don't remember what her name is. Uh, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- like, even like that trio of girls has like a very, like concrete dynamic um yeah maybe not so much in stay night since they have like two scenes in the whole thing that's but, true. but certainly in Hall of like Axia, in hollow ladder axia they gain it yeah yeah but like the is a mitsuzuri dynamic for instance like which does have a few moments in um in stay night and then gets more in a hollow ladder axia i feel mm. like even that like they're just like they don't even have magic powers what are they even good for like nothing like for the <laughs> plot but they are characters who have like a distinctive personality that you can then like transfer into other situations we were actually right. i think this is funny this reminds me of our conversation a while ago about um strange fake and how we were talking about like why does strange fake feel so fleshed out even though there's like 60 characters um right and each character has only appeared in like three or four chapters so far at most right and i think the conclusion that we came to was like that most of the characters are not actually developed but they all have like very 
like at the very least like one defining personality trait which mm-hmm. i think it's just a good way of writing like a cartoon style thing um, yeah that's how ryoga Narita writes his characters and everything like in bakano like Lad Russo is, like, the flattest character who's ever existed, but he's also, like, one of the best antagonists I've ever seen because (laughs) he has one personality trait, but it's, like, played up to the absolute max. As soon as he's on screen for the first time, you know exactly who he is, so you don't – so then you can just, like, run with it forever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I think think that strategy works well for Stay Night, and I guess maybe, like – just for some reason fate has just gotten more like critical acclaim and so has the budget to do that um and like Mm -hmm. maybe part of it is just like the story of stay night is pretty resolved and like hollow ataraxia didn't like like technically didn't really even need to exist for like stay night's story to be resolved but it did add like another level of resolution i guess um, well, a lot of Hollow Ataraxia basically is Carnival Phantasm skits, but yes. in visual novel form. Yes, it's true. Uh, but also, like, I don't know. I mean, Hollow Ataraxia is good and serious because it resolves, like, the Avenger stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Even though some of it is handled as meh. Um, but the Bazette Avenger relationship is actually, like, super sweet. And definitely, like, I almost cried at the end of Hollow Ataraxia just because, like, it just got really touching in a nice way. But we definitely didn't, like, need that to exist. And I kind of think that, like, Fate Stay Night is such a good self-contained thing that, like, it's it's not like, um, I don't it's not like another franchise where you just have to keep making more seasons or just making more content. Like, Jiro's right. story arc is done. We don't need any more of it. So, like, instead, because we know people want more of the series, let's just make more spinoffs. Um, right. And that's, like, something that Natsu has said in the past couple of years, too, when people complain about how, like, uh, there's not a lot of like Artoria in Grand Order. How it feels like you know Nero gets way more focused these days than Artoria does. Yes. Um, Nasu has said like, like Artoria's story ended ten years ago. Like we're we're done with her. We don't really need to see any more of her. Like you'll get some alternative versions when we have like a Camelot singular- singularity or whatever. Um, right. But you don't need to focus more on a character whose entire arc has already been shown yeah definitely definitely yes the case of saber is a very fun one especially since it feels like i feel like we're always seeing more artoria but really it's just because we're getting more saber faces and (laughs) that's just why it feels like i i feel like i've it feels like i've been with her for so long just just because it's like nero okita fucking john apocrypha (laughs) all that jazz so speaking of saber okay um how do you feel about the fate route oh um god you know honestly it's been a really fucking long time um yeah that's true I, like, barely remember the Fate Root. I know it's one that people give a lot of flack to. Um, I think it has good moments from what I remember. I mean, from what I really remember, it's mostly, like, an introduction to, like, the the franchise and, like, the series in terms of, like, 
Hey, Shiro, you don't know anything about magic, do you? Here's all of the important magical tenets of the Type Moon universe. <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. Where right. we just get a lot of sort of like expository stuff. Here's what the Holy Grail War is. Here's how it works. Here's all the rules for magic and the system and everything. And then here's how we break them. <laughs> um, surprise, it's literally all the characters in the series and they do it all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like the Fate Root was really good for doing that. Um, I definitely think it also gets an honorable mention for uh, the Emergency Threesome. Um, which is definitely like one of my favorite state night scenes. Even though, like, even though it's been retconned out, I don't care. I don't care what you say. That scene's definitely it. It's probably sus, and it definitely probably hasn't aged well. But again, it's been years since I read it, and I remember like as a teen being like, "Wow, this is really dumb." They're just like, "Hero yeah. Berserker is gonna kill us if you and Saber don't fuck right now." And Saber's Shiro's just like hex what's that (laughs) please explain to me how that works and rin's like oh my god (laughs) we're all gonna die and saber's like okay (laughs) sure (laughs) my my favorite thing about the whole emergency threesome is that uh archer died so that shiro could get laid oh yes yes (laughs) archer sacrifices his life to (laughs) hold off berserker long enough for shiro to fuck yeah that god have you seen there's some like image from the original like dean anime um it's like when archer dies uh there's um i'm looking this up because it's so funny um there's this like great like official image that's like right after Archer dies where it's like there's the Einsburn mansion in the distance and like Rin and uh, Shiro are all like beaten up and they're like running away and Archer is sort of like transparent in the sky like kind of giving them like a thumbs up or something like that. It's like an incredibly stupid image. Uh, if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes later. But okay, that that moment. It also, shout-outs to the Dean anime for actually animating that moment. That's the one thing we have to give credit to the Dean anime for. Um, oh, yeah, having that fight on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, it was kind of cool. And also, they, they let uh, they let Archer do the um, the the three... Fuck, crane wing. Oh, the, the one that's his extra attack in Grand Order, where he, like throws Concho and Bakuya out to the side and they like circle around and come at them from behind. Yes, yes. That move, yeah. Yes, and he does the overage thing from un- um, Unlimited Codes that Nasu liked so much that he just like made it part of canon. <laughs> yeah. That's where definitely my favorite get... little tip. That's the one where the swords get big, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. He like he like overflows them with like magical energy and then they just like get huge and jaggedy. And I right. think that was just something that they like designed for Unlimited Codes just because... Um, and ever since then, it's made it its way into like, um, like the Dean anime, and then subsequently Grand Order. But yeah. it's just something that I think like Nasu really liked, even though it was just kind of something they like came up with to make a cool like fighting game move. Uh, Which is definitely a Nasu move. He's like, oh wow, that's sick. Add that to canon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Takeuchi, draw that. It's canon now. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know though i mean like the whole of the fate route 
I think uh, whenever you get that that true ending where it's like you get to go hug Saber in, in Avalon, that makes the Fade Read really sweet. Um, yeah, that is nice. But I definitely feel like like that moment for me was like very poignant, weirdly. Like for some reason, I, I can like feel a feeling in my chest when I think of that moment. Um, and it's definitely a different kind of resolution than like the other two bits give me. Um, cause it's yeah, also like, it's, um, oh, Shiro did his uh, thing and also gets to Mac his cutie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't love like the Shiro saber relationship. I mm-hmm. think it's fine, but it doesn't really compel me very, like I've never felt like they have really any notable chemistry or anything to speak of. Yeah. Um, I'm def- definitely a fan of the the Rin Shiro pairing, Me but too. I do I do really like the the two of them like coming to understand each other more than like the two of them falling in love or whatever. Me too. Yeah. The way that both they're like each of their respective traumas like interacts with each other, I think is uh, pretty well done and I agree. very sweet at times. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. But I do definitely feel like we do spend a lot of the fate route being like, Saber, you can't fight because you're a girl. You're Ugh. a girl, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm swinging this sword at over 300 miles an hour. And she was like, oh, but you're a girl. You should go wait and, I don't know, do that little sitting on your knees pose in the dojo while I <laughs> go, like, get my arm cut off. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I really still don't know why that needed to be in the route because it's not in any of the other ones. Yes, it's true. Cause in, um, I feel like I've seen people talk about this before. It's something about like, it's definitely like weird sexism. Um, but it's like, I feel like it's also kind of just a cover for Shiro's. Like, I don't want anyone around me to get hurt kind of mentality um yeah i think that is what it's supposed supposed to be be. yes and that that i don't think is giving too much credit to the writing yeah that i think that's definitely legit um especially what with like the off-touted line from nasu where he said that he set out to uh write both I don't know if he was saying this about both Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night, but definitely Fate Stay Night with the idea of, like, inverting the typical, like, male-female action relationship oh, so that you yes. have, like, the action girl main character and then, like, the useless emotional support boy. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think he also said that about Karno Kyokai, too. And if he didn't say it about yeah. that, it definitely, like, holds then true. Then he definitely should have. Yes, because, it definitely yeah. applies. Where you have, like... Mikia is the truest incarnation of, like, the action movie girlfriend trope. <laughs> right, because he literally can't do anything. <laughs> Mikia is definitely, like, the most useless character in, in Type Moon, who is still plot relevant. Right. Yeah, it's definitely, like, part of that whole thing where it's, like, Nasu was like, hey, I was trying to be, like, a cool feminist, but I kind of fucked up and wrote sort of, like, chauvinistic stories instead. Sorry about that. Uh... It definitely, like, ties into that sort of uh, conversation. Um, right. 
Which but I don't know. I mean, it's also like, like it's. It came out in 2004. It's, it you know stuff doesn't age well, um, <laughs> and it's cool that he's like it and like confessed to his mistakes or whatever. Um, and I have also heard um, that Nasu has said that if there's ever like another if there's ever another adaptation of the Fate Route, um, that he would want to like make substantial rewritings. Oh really? To the route. Yeah. Did not hear that. That's cool. I don't have a source on that, but I have apocryphally heard other people say that he has said that. Okay. Enough that I would believe there's something behind it. Okay. We can do some research and maybe if we find a source or something. Um yeah. we can just drop it in the show notes. Overall I think that like the fate route, while not amazing, definitely does its job as an introduction. Um, my favorite thing about the fact that it's like very clearly just trying to be an introduction mm-hmm. is that one scene, it's like the last scene before you like go into Endgame where they're planning to like storm Ryudo Temple and confront Kotomine, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. where like you have your evening routine, like you cook food, everyone goes to bed. And then, like, you wake up in the middle of the night and there are, like, skeletons growing out of the ground <laughs> in the Emmy house. Oh, uh-huh. And they go outside and it's like, it's me, Caster. You've never met me before, but I'm here to kill you. <laughs> and then immediately after that, she gets slammed by Guild. Who's <laughs> like, oh, it's me, Gilgamesh, who you have met You've before. Never... <laughs> no, that's the first time you meet Gilgamesh, too. Oh, in, in Stay Night, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But it is, it's like, he's like, surprise, bitch. <laughs> I'm back, <laughs> right. and then Saber runs out, and she's like, like, "Why are like you Gilgamesh, here?" How? Yeah, um, that is a really great I, moment where it's like, "Surprise! I, it's me, the real villain of this arc, Caster." <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I so love that that like they wrote the entire fate route, and they're like, "Caster has literally nothing to do with any of this," but we can't like have an entire route go by and just say oh, i don't know i guess someone else killed caster at some point like right. we have to throw her in there at, at <laughs> somewhere so she gets a single scene where she appears and dies and that's it yeah it's definitely like a big like writing tm moment <laughs> right where it's like ooh, we wrote this character and then we didn't do anything with her what do we what do we, i just kill her <laughs> we have like five minutes here that's fine <laughs> yeah aside from that uh, there's not really a lot about the route that's remains memorable. I think, um, there's the part like, where Shiro, like, has that huge gaping wound in his chest, and then, uh, they figure out that he has Avalon in him, um, and they, like, hug on the bridge, and then Gilgamesh is like, okay, like I'm, I'm gonna kill you now. <laughs> Standing <laughs> over here, and I don't actually remember what happens after that. Maybe he just gets like disgusted by a positive display of human emotion <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> um, there's definitely that part where it's like I feel like I remember like this moment also very distinctly, where it's like like Saber like hugs Shiro and then like she's like, oh Shiro, you were my sheath all along and i definitely like the thing the feeling that i felt in my brain i did not understand what to do with but now i recognize <laughs> that feeling as like oh she's saying that she is a bottom <laughs> <laughs> is that what she's saying 
<laughs> I definitely like very distinctly being like, is this a, I was like, does this also apply to this layer? Like you guys, you guys have sex. Like <laughs> this is a, you, this joke can be made. But I was also it's like sure. a damn 14 year old. Given that we do see plenty of Shiro having sex, I, I skipped the sex scenes mostly, but from my vague memories of the art, uh, I don't think Shiro is a bottom. Yeah, but Shiro is also a fool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Regardless of his positioning in the bedroom, Shiro is definitely an idiot. Like, Ilya is the main villain of, or not the main villain, but like the primary antagonist of the route, which is neat. Um, mm-hmm. And sets her up well for being like a more, um, like, ally ish character in the next two routes. Right. Uh, gives her some cool moments, I guess. Mm-hmm. Although Ilya doesn't really do anything super interesting until Heaven's Feel. Right, exactly. Um, speaking of Heaven's Feel, I don't know, is there anything else you want to say on the favorite? I was just going to mention something you told me a few days ago. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think that's that's about all I have to say on the fade route. You said that you saw something about how there was going to be a sex scene in this in the new uh, Heaven's Feel movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that information comes from, like, early screening reviews. Oh, okay. So I'm pretty sure that that is 100% confirmed, that there is, like, actual sex upcoming in the Heaven's Feel movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I definitely that was one thing that i always wondered because i remembered once i heard about like rialta new existing um because i read the pre rialta new um patch version and i definitely remember hearing like oh they reckoned on all the sex scenes and i was like god there's a lot of sex in heaven's field what do they even do in heaven's field what do you field? do do you just like do you just go in the bedroom and take your clothes off and transfer mana like do like in the scene where we're in and Shiro just have their shirts off, and she kind of like puts his arm on her on his on his back. You know what I'm talking about when he like gives her the or um when she gives him the the crest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's in then they in animate the, Rialta, in the UFO table the one Europe, like they Rialta were totally Rialta. about to yeah. have sex, but then they just <laughs> it's totally like the implication is right there, and then it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you can like feel yeah. the like palpable tension there, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then they're just like, I'm just gonna give you my magic crest. <laughs> It's fine. I, don't know, I definitely, I've been very happy. Well, it's weird because like the Heaven's Feel movie feels a lot like, or the the first Heaven's Feel movie feels a lot. Or, like, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Do you, should we, for the sake of properness, go on to Unlimited Blade Works and then we can talk Heaven's Feel? Oh, I guess we can. Do you want to? If you don't, if you just want to get into Heaven's Feel, we can do that I too. I was just thinking, Heaven's like, Feel. I mean, like, do you okay. want, do you have much to say on Unlimited Blade Works? Like, I feel like most people, especially people who are listening to us, have already seen the Unlimited Blade Works anime. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. I don't feel like yeah, there's a lot to say about it. It's fun. It's cool. I like it. Jiro does the big hero thing and kind of eats some shit for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, sure. Let's uh, let's Heaven's Feel. Yeah, I definitely feel like the Heaven's Feel movies are a lot like um the unlimited blade works movie the dean one where it's just sort of like a sort of like very like dodgy recap of the root um 
just because there's like so much content. It's definitely like very good like fan service, but I don't feel like because I definitely remember I went with people who I'd seen Unlimited Blade Works with, and they were lost. <laughs> um, okay, like through the movie, like what's going on. And I was like, oh, this is so sick. Like, this is that part in the visual novel, except now it's on the back of a truck for some reason. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know if they're, like, amazing, like, standalone things. But I think as complementary pieces to, like, the original source material, they're very good. Um, huh. Which I guess is okay. kind of an interesting approach. But uh, that's my take, at least. I mean, they're good, uh, and I like them. But I just think that they're they're not replacements for the, like, actually consuming the original story. On my end, um, I personally was not a big fan of the first movie. But oh, yeah. my friends who um, have not read the VN mm-hmm. are... I know I know a couple people who haven't read the VN, were big Zero fans, but thought Unlimited Blade Works was bad. Um, but they, mm-hmm. like to a man of the ones I've talked to at least, thought that the first Heaven's Feel movie was really good. Mm. Okay. So hmm. I'm not really sure why, what they were seeing in it. Um, my my beef with it, my biggest one is that it felt to me like they kind of removed what made Heaven's Feel seem special and different from the other roots in the VN, which was like the horror atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's still got the mystery of like, what's the deal with the shadow? But I feel like in the movie, it was way more obvious that the shadow is Sakura, like the way they framed it. Um, Yeah, that's fair. Whereas I was like legit questioning that while reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, you know, the, the big one that I think was a bad change, which is how long they dragged out the Lancer versus true assassin fight. Um, yeah. Sick as it was, I think that the way Lancer died in the visual novel where like, uh, he gets sent to investigate like a, an expenditure of mana or whatever at Ryudo temple. Um, and he shows up and he's like, Yep, this sure is a temple. And then in like two, and then in like three lines of writing, he's dead. Like right, the hand right. appears and rips his heart out, and that's it. That's the entire scene. Like it's it's where like when they get to the swamp at the end of the fight scene, like that that part of right, it is like right, the right. whole. He's basically just standing in the temple courtyard, and then the hand comes out of the swamp and kills him, and that's it. Um, and seeing him just die that quickly like that abruptly with that little pomper circumstance mm-hmm. was such like a huge oh shit moment that put me on edge for the first time in that route and then like the maintenance of tension throughout the rest of the route like kept me there like i was always afraid of what was going to come next and i didn't feel like it, there was anything in the movie that would like provoke a reaction of fear yeah that's fair um i guess the way that i also well okay 
my take why I think that that's okay that they dragged out the fight is that it's true that it loses, like, the tension that the original had, but I also don't think that the fate, like, television adaptations are supposed to be incredibly faithful. I think they're just kind of, like, playing them up more as, like, action things. Um, yeah, I, I mean, think they, they clearly are. I think they're doing a very good job at that. Um, just because, like, I don't know. I definitely remember, like, being really excited for the new, like, uh, Stay Night anime, and then, like, what fight like the fight that doesn't really matter at all well i don't want to say it doesn't matter at all but it it's not very important um just the like archer lancer fight at the beginning um i mean i guess it's important because it introduces servant battles but it's not like a pivotal like plot thing um mm-hmm. like they made that like sick as fuck which also i definitely remember like all of the lines in the visual novel that were like oh like the servants were moving like faster than i could see and right. you know it's just like tears in the ground and whatever and I felt like they captured that so well with, like, all of the, like, like the dynamic and, like, energy of just how they animated it and, like, all the moving camera angles and the fact they're just, like, teleporting and whatever. Um, I just thought that, that that was, like, so awesome. It definitely didn't need to be as much as it was, but I think what was happening there was it's, like, episode zero of the new Stay Night adaptation. Like, the original Stay Night adaptation is... And was infamous for being, like, terribly animated. Uh, <laughs> right. So Unlimited... So UFO Table goes into that, like, yeah, we're just gonna fucking do it. Like, watch how good watch how good this anime is gonna look. <laughs> right, we're just gonna flex all over the old anime. <laughs> right. Um, and even aside from just, like, flexing, it's also... Like, the first episode of a show is supposed to be the one that, like, draws viewers in. So you want to, like, show off your action chops. It's true. Um so I I think that that's a, a different animal. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if you're watching Unlimited Blade Works, or if you're watching the Heaven's Feel movies, you've probably seen Unlimited Blade Works. Um, you know what you're... You know, like, the quality to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, you know what to expect from a fight scene in the series, which right. is why subverting that by having Lancer just fucking die uh, is so impactful. Yeah. It's true, but also, like, I feel like what I want in a UFO table adaptation is, like, the good money fight scene shit. Um, like, I don't mean to go all, like, <laughs> like lizard brain on you, <laughs> but I definitely do feel like, like that's more of the approach that, like, the adaptations are taking, which is just, like, the adaptations are a lot more, like, I don't want to say, like, fun-focused, but, like, you know, for instance, in the visual novel, how much time do they spend cooking? Like, downtime. Like, there's tons of just, like, downtime where, like, not a lot of, like, plot-relevant stuff happens, but where, like, yeah. smaller character development moments happen. Um, which is, like, part of why, like, Shiro's characterization suffers in Unlimited Blade Works. But, right, because they have to take out all of the downtime stuff, so you only see him just, like, being an idiot in action scenes. Right, because yeah. they don't have, like, the time and the budget to, like, give all of that stuff, like, justice. Oh, okay, I know I, was, I said I wasn't going to, like, uh, harp on Shiro being good or anything, but I do want <laughs> to shout out um, that article that I think you sent me Oh, the, a the masculinity ago. one. The, yes. Uh, yes. We'll link it in the episode description. It's, like, a really good short article. I can't remember off the top of my head who it's written by or else I would shout them out here. It's written um, by Tumblr user Derpcakes. Um, <laughs> or, oh, fuck, I forget what actual like like tag is or whatever she goes by but she's someone who i've been following on tumblr for like ever and ever 
Okay, it's uh, it's titled Swords and Saucepans, uh, which is a great title for yes. stuff. But it's like an examination of Shira's character and why like his fixation on like cooking and household duties is so important to the character. Um, and it also gets into like the the gender crit stuff about how like um, his main enemy in the series, like his dynamically opposed individual is Archer, who is literally like an older, more masculine version of himself. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really fucking good. I highly recommend uh, anybody who's either a Shiro fan or a Shiro doubter should read it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a very good, it, it just, it frames like Shiro and Archer, like the duality of those two very well in a way that like I had also never thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Yeah. I was like, oh, we could keep talking about it, but I'm also like, you should just kind of read it. Like, I feel like I don't Yeah, I yeah. Don't I'm just, not like... going to be able to like describe the article better than reading the article will get the point across. Yes. And also it's not very long. It's a good read. We'll link it. Yeah. I'm just going to write that in our discord thing just so I remember. Sure. Um, but where were you before I cut you off? Um, oh, I was just talking about how I think that like, it's okay that the stay night adaptations aren't including all of that downtime. Um, because I think right, that right, right. that's what MU Gohan is for. Um, yeah. And like, I think that it's okay to make the like action portions of the series very actiony because like, like, you know, as a, like something that is coming from a visual novel, like we get description and we get sound effects and God knows I'm never going to be able to get that. Like, <laughs> like, do you know that sound effect? That's like the revving. I know like, exactly which sound effect you're the, talking like, wind about. Sound. Yes. And I haven't read the visual novel in like five years, but I know exactly which sound effect you're that, talking like, about. That like fucking sound effect. Like I'll never, that sound effect will like never leave my brain. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really cool that we get to see like all of those fight scenes, which were really hype and memorable, um, in the visual novel, like done up so much. Um, and that's kind of why I think like, you know, the written form serves like the downtime parts of Stay Night and like the subtle characterization of the characters very well, and like the animated form serves the like moving parts and the fight scenes and the sort of like just the energy that all of the action in the series has because it's like these super powered beings fighting at like light speed with crazy magic beams Uh um and i think that having the anime lean into those aspects more is is better um because like we already have what we want in another form you can read it (laughs) um and if you want the like sort of softer moments and characterization like now we have emia gohan and you can like watch that if you want to see the characters and like more of their like i don't want to say like natural habitat but like a less <laughs> stressful environment um yeah i don't yeah i kinda, guess that gets into an argument about like the nature of adaptation like should an adaptation strive to like deliver um a new experience to the people who are already fans of the thing it's adapting or should it be uh like an attempt to recapture the original in a different medium. Right. Right. Because for people who already know mm. the visual novel, the adaptations are sick because you get to see all of the fight scenes that you love, like animated and they look amazing. But for people who aren't familiar with the visual novel, um, they'd 
none of the adaptations of it have ever really been representative of what makes the VN special. That is true. Um, I do think that... Hang on. You're going to hear my keyboard click, so I'm looking something up. Okay. Um, I sort of think that... Um, I know... I know Rialta Nua got put on PS Vita. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like my brain wants to be like it was also put on um, like PS4? PS3? Oh, really? That'd I'm not sure. Um, I could be entirely wrong about this. But I know it's it's gotten like like and I know the PS Vita was much more popular in Japan, Japan. than it was here. Like it flopped yeah. stateside, but people like fucking love the Vita. Um or at least like the most of the sales of the Vita like worldwide I think came from Japan. Um and Rialta Nua did get its re-release on Vita. Um not too many years ago, but I do think that Fate especially as a series has like like adapting it is difficult, especially like um, I don't know. I'm thinking of like like um, like JoJo's, for instance, which is sort of getting its adaptations now. I feel like um, the JoJo Part Five adaptation is very much like a, a revisionist adaptation, where it's like, oh, like let's take all of the stuff that we liked about the original and then like make it better, do it better, yeah. Um, and how many visual novels do you see that get separate adaptations for each route? Like, exactly. that never happens. Has that ever happened with anything else? Uh, Not that I know of. I, if there is, I don't know about it. Um, I know, like, Umi Neko got an anime, but I feel like I've heard people say it wasn't good. I don't know anything about that series, though. Neither do I. Um, but that's, like, the only other big visual novel I know off the top of my head that also got an anime adaptation. Um, Little Busters got an anime adaptation. Yeah, um, but I think there's just the one. I don't think it was very good. Um... I know some people who like Little Busters. Okay. I guess, to be fair, I also watched it without having played the original, so I was like, this is fine. Okay. Um, but it's true. And, like, I don't know. There's something about Fate that just lends itself really well to... It's such a, like, simple idea, weirdly, but it's just kind of, like... It has such a... It does things with such a cool flavor. Um, You know, the mm-hmm. idea of, like, oh, it's, like, historic figures from the past, like, slash, like, mythical heroes summoned to the modern day to fight um but just like all of the 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 ways that they like put spins on it i feel like just i don't know it's a series that has longevity um yeah but i also do think that like while it does have that longevity i think it then gets kind of hard to cater to like the people who played fate stay night 15 years ago and someone who's 15 now watching unlimited blade works (laughs) Um, (laughs) right you know like, like, um, one of my friends, like, younger sister, uh, who is 11, like, watched Unlimited Blade Works, um, and, like, one, I don't know if I would recommend showing a child that small Unlimited Blade Works, but, uh, yeah, like, 11 means that you were born four years after Stay Night came out, and, like, you know, how do you, like, <laughs> how do you cater to, like, potential audiences that are like in their teens versus like audiences that could very well be like in their 30s now <laughs> maybe right, even that's 40s true. that's a good point um 
it's very like and i feel like the only way that maybe not the only way but i feel like a very solid way where you can like meet the two in the middle and just be like let's just lean into the fight scene angle and make everything really cool because <laughs> like you know anyone who wants to go to a theater would probably be okay with seeing an action movie um especially right. like a hand-drawn slash like you know computer drawn but like drawn animated whatever um thing that's like as gorgeous as like the new ufo table adaptations are i guess that's true that's a good i hadn't thought of it that way you know that's why this is a podcast where we talk about this <laughs> right and we've seen um just in the like the trailer that's out for heaven's field too they're doing <sighs> i'm so excited I'm <laughs> they're so excited. uh they're this time not even extending a fight there adding a fight that happened off screen um Hell and yeah. from like the literally one second shot of it it looks like it's gonna be big oh um, yeah which is the saber altar versus berserker fight oh yeah i'm so jazzed yeah i'm so jazzed. you know what you know what i'm jazzed for is watching that fight and then going back and watching the saber versus berserker fight from unlimited blade works oh, i'm really curious the, to like, see parallels. like yeah because you know they've, they've got to do that to some degree right like they there's will. no they way will. they're not going to yeah and they're gonna definitely like reference the the one in and then they also they've already also done a saber berserker fight in the first heaven's field movie oh they did that's true i forgot about that so one. not they're gonna probably reference both and then show like oh like now that saber is evil like how is she fighting yeah. differently um man i love the way that berserker is portrayed in fight scenes in the ufo table anime yeah he's he's just like so sick this like the way he moves is insane the way that he like basically like every swing he like rotates his entire body into it right i he feels so huge yeah it's unreal how good that is it's true it's one of those things where like i remember you were telling me about this um when apocrypha was ending after like the the carna versus siegfried fight mm -hmm. um how a lot of the times it can be easy to forget just like just how sick a servant battle is supposed to be until you see something like that yes. and obviously like berserker hitting things with a rock is not on the same level as Vasavi shakti but it feels <laughs> like it feels like it conveys the same thing like every time you see him move you're like holy shit like this is a lot right right and it's sort of like the just talking about like the overwhelming odds of like fighting berserker because i definitely remember in the visual novel they like really harp on like fuck like we can't fight berserker like berserker yeah. will win i definitely remember i don't remember if it's in the the unlimited blade works or the heaven's feel movie but it's like where i think it's in unlimited blade works where like berserker like swings the big rock sword like misses and then saber like jumps on top of it and then like goes to hit yeah, him or something I like that, that. And then he just kind of, he either, like, flings it up or he does, like, this, like, awful, like, like, he, like, bends back to, like, duck under her sword swing and then does, like, a bunch of backflips. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh, yeah. And then he, like, grabs her and, like, holds her in his hand, right? Yes. Um, yeah, and, and Rin has to come in and, like, throw a million dollars at him in order to free her. <laughs> yeah, Rin has to dump money on Berserker to stop, <laughs> to stop whatever's happening. But, like, that moment was definitely supposed to be, like, oh, not only is Berserker, like, a screaming meat wall, but he's also, like, really fast. Yeah. Um, like, Saber, who's sort of framed as, like, the dex build to, like, Herc's strength build. But mm -hmm. in reality, like, Herc's running the, like, 50-50 quality build. Like, right. you know, he's he's fucking 
he has no weaknesses. Eric is just... <laughs> uh, fuck, I can't remember the Japanese. I was gonna... The, the Berserker is the strongest oh, in the, the world. the strongest in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suyuin Dakara, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah, Herc is definitely out there in full havels with the Darkwood Green Ring. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't fuck around. Hercules is the giant dad. <laughs> Hercules is the giant dad that none of us deserve. <laughs> Except for Ilya. Right. Who needs a better father figure. <laughs> uh, I think it's, um, it's kind of sad how a lot of the original Stay Night servants have been power creeped over time. Um, yeah, that's true. Like, when, when it's... I, if I remember correctly, it's like explicitly stated uh, in the in the VN that like the servants summoned in the Fifth Grand War are like the strongest that have ever been summoned. Um, but then you have uh, like Kukahoan these days mm-hmm. feels so underwhelming compared to like so many servants that are being added to the franchise now <laughs> right i mean especially with the advent of grand order where we're just like dumping more stupid into the series like day by day <laughs> right right like um oh like musashi's mm-hmm. eyes just let her see the future and win <laughs> like musashi's <laughs> yeah, right. power is just winning <laughs> she just wins uh but berserker is one servant who has not been power creeped and i think that is awesome every yeah, time berserker, every time heracles shows up in grand order everyone is like like, you know who that is, right? Like, you're, you don't expect we're going to fight him, do you? Right, right. It's like um, in uh, Agartha with Megalos, where it's like Hercules Plus. <laughs> right. They, they literally treat him as like a natural disaster. Yes. They, I think they actually refer to him as a natural disaster. Oh, like in the dialogue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never read the translations of Agartha because I was like, uh... I mean, it's not amazing, but it's it's pretty good. Okay. I think it got more shit, shit than it deserved because it was, like, the worst of the Epic of Remnants, but it's still a pretty good chapter, okay. all things told. Okay, okay. I'll look into it. Um, also, speaking of, we're hitting an hour and ten minutes. Um, do you want to do our, our, our segment and then wrap things up, or is there other stuff you want to talk about? Uh, I kind of wanted to talk more about how, like the series has changed over time since the original like conception of it but we can save that for another time because we are uh hitting a reasonable limit so it's true it's true well we'll we'll write that one down we'll come back to it sure Um, all right but yeah let's uh i'll hit the random page button this time okie (laughs) dokie ready here we are all right type moon wiki uh explore for those random of you just page. joining us, this oh, is the part of the show where we do a random wiki page on the Timing Wiki, and then we talk about whatever comes up. Okay, this one, uh, uh, we might have to re-roll, because but, I don't think either of us know anything about this. Hit me. Uh, I got Beatrice Flowerchild. Oh my god. It is Is she from a... Fate Labyrinth? No, she is oh, from no. Prelia. She is a Prelia character. A doll in service to the Ainsworth family. She was the card user of Berserker in the 5th Ainsworth Holy Grail War. She is also the card user of another Berserker class card. Um, Oh, she's the one who had the Thor arm. Sure. Uh, The Thor arm. I don't know. 
I think. Do you know stuff about this? Would you like to talk about Beatrice Flowerchild? I don't really want to talk about Beatrice Flowerchild because then I have to say that I did, in fact, read uh, Prismalia through three, Ray. <laughs> um, or at least, like, partway through it. Um, did you really read that much? I actually read quite a lot of it because I was just, like, I think that was in the era where I was just, like, really just hungry for more Fate content. Um, and I think I was caught up more or less, like, around the time they introduced her. But um, I know that she has, like, she has like Mjolnir. Um, oh, oh, okay. Just out of curiosity, I just clicked on like what two berserkers she is the class card of. One of them is Heracles. How fitting. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one is Magni, the half god, half giant son of Thor. So huh. yeah, she does have a big arm in this version. Oh, okay. So that's why she gets the big arm and then. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really. Let's 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 reroll because that's all I okay. really know about her. Also, I think that might might be like huge prelia spoilers so i will i'll tag that as spoilers in the description i guess that that's fair uh, okay. i guess i was like also again. i don't know do you really want to read prismalia like please don't read prismalia it's bad for you it's bad for me it's bad for all of us like it has some cool lore tidbits but i feel like it's not worth sifting through like just the awful <laughs> Unless you're a big lollycon, in which case... In which case, stop. Do you. <laughs> in which case, yeah. we've got your number and the FBI is already <laughs> on their way. All right. Oh, this is an interesting one. Okay. Perseus Mirror Shield. What? The Perseus? unnamed bronze mirror shield of Perseus is one of the five noble phantasms granted to him by the Greek gods for the purpose of slaying Medusa. Oh. Granted by Athena, it is a bronze shield polished to bear a mirror-like reflection. Acting like a sort of detector that possesses sonar and radar, func- radar functionality, it reflects the surroundings onto itself, showing the layout of an area and the heartbeats of any life present in the location. Unlike how it is recorded in Legend, he did not reflect Medusa's petrifying eyes back at her with this, but instead focused only on the projected information to find her location and battle her while avoiding having to look upon her. Oh. Interesting. So I guess this is... Um, well, that's kind of cool. So this is from... Uh, the two references in here are from Hollow Ataraxia, so I assume it's, yes. like, Medusa recounting back how this happened in her life. Yes. Um, I vaguely and remember then also, going into detail about Perseus. And then also from prototype materials. Oh. Oh, so right, for anybody, Right. Anybody who's not familiar with uh, prototype, Perseus was the original conception of Rider for Fate Stay Night. Um who was changed to Medusa in the final version when uh, Nasu was told that he wasn't allowed to write a VN without there being sex in it. So they had to like mix up all of the uh, master servant pairings to make it sexier. Yeah. Takichi was like, okay, but King Arthur, but you can bone her. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine the dollars. And then they were both kind of like, ugh, but then did it. Uh, and now Fate Prototype also exists. And also, everyone loves Arthur, rightfully so. Um, Does Fate Prototype actually exist? Like, I know there's fragments of blue and silver, but that's, like, the zero to Prototype. That's, like, the war before the Prototype oh, war. Oh, is it? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's, like, the war where uh, Vanaka is Saber's master. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, I guess then Prototype might not exist in, like, a proper form yet. Yeah, it's, like, but... I think the only Prototype thing we actually have is that, like... And then that little like, anime short. Yeah. Hmm. So Perseus, actually, I I um I read about what he was supposed to be a while ago. Mm-hmm. He um 
if I remember correctly, I think that his actual master was supposed to, like... Yeah, Ryder's master, a 10-year-old boy, a victim of a chimerization experiment by the unknown antagonist of the last war. Uh, at the beginning of this war, he's entirely sustained by medical machinery. So this is actually, like... This actually sounds a lot like... What's her name? In, um... Oh, um... In Su- Strange Fake. Subaki. Subaki? Yeah. Um... That's interesting. And we know that uh, Narita likes his prototype stuff because Ayaka is in it. So he probably lifted the idea straight from here. That would make sense. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Anyway, uh, on the seventh day of the war, uh, his ma- Perseus's master dies, but he just of like natural causes. Um, but he uses all of his command spells and made Ryder fully incarnate, feeling that as Ryder was someone who found happiness in life, his wish, the wish of a content man, will be a happy prayer to warm the heart of many. Aww. Moved, Ryder fought alone for the one wish to resurrect his master and grant him the happiness that a man should experience. Oh. Isn't that cool? That's, I love that concept. That's cool, but also very, that's, that's very sweet. Yes, it is. And also sad. Also, it's a continuation of the command seals are bullshit thing like what can command seals do i don't know you can just yell Literally at yourself to win to. and you'll just win yeah i guess if you I blasted think. all three command spells maybe you could do that but i feel like then everyone would just do that but it's also prototype you know right so i think what happens then is like writer becomes a real boy and he just like shows up at um ayaka's school I think that's as, like the mysterious transfer the, student, the the bit where he's in her school uniform, right? Um, and he's just like this hot guy who shows up at her school. And he's like, "Oh, who's this guy?" And then it turns out that he's actually like the servant who became a real person, right? I have no idea what his role in the overall story was going to be because I don't think anybody knows what the overall story was going to be. Right. Um, but a very cool concept for a character that I wish we had gotten to see. Me too. Um, I got. I like Medusa as much as the next guy, but I I think that in terms of like interesting characterness, she's definitely on the lower end of characters in Stay Night. I would agree. Like I like her a lot, um, but I definitely also just feel like she's definitely the one who suffers the most from being like forced to forced to bend. like not be Perseus. <laughs> yeah. Um, like. Her design is very unmedusa. Her abilities are f- fairly unmedusa. Um, like she has the mystic eyes of petrification, I guess, which are cool. But also, like most everyone she uses it against has magic resistance, so like <laughs> right. doesn't really I do don't anything. Think, I think there's like one bad end where Shiro gets killed by them, but aside from that, like they don't actually do anything the whole story. Right. It's sort of like a, it's a Gable case where it's like, oh, like Medusa's big thing is that she can petrify people. Too bad. It's really bad. <laughs> Right, but at least Gaybulk like keeps coming up and keeps being useless. Like the Mystic Eyes of Petrification happened once in one route, I think. Uh, that's true. Well, I mean, um, the reason that she's able to go toe to toe with Saber Altar at the end of Heaven's Feel (spoiler) uh, is because she's like, she says that like myst- the Mystic Eyes of Petrification basically just are like a slow <laughs> like debuff, like. She's, like, with the Mystic Eyes, like, I can't actually freeze Saber because her magic resistance is too good, but I can, like, slow her down a little bit if I keep them Oh, active. I didn't remember that. Yeah, that's okay. the thing that she does say. Yeah, uh, so... But that's kind of, like, the only time... Medusa. So it's basically just, like, a slow. It's not even, like, a turning you to stone thing. 
Right. Also, the best thing about, or perhaps worst thing about the switch from Perseus to Medusa <laughs> is that they def- they like didn't even try to give her a new noble phantasm. Yeah, they like, were just like, it's Pegasus. Cause... Bellerophon like, is the thing that Perseus rides in the myth. Right. Well, it's the Pegasus or, that or he actually, gets after cutting Beler- off Medusa's head, right? Yes, my mistake. Bellerophon is actually the name of an entirely unrelated Greek hero. Oh, but really? yeah, uh, Bellerophon slew the Chimera. Uh, has nothing to do with this myth. Oh, but um, the but Perseus did ride Pegasus, who was born from Medusa's corpse. Oh, so there is still like a connection there. Okay, but okay. It, it was so clearly initially designed for a different character. Exactly right. Like, Medusa is definitely more of a caster-type character, or, like, Avenger Gorgon, you know? Yeah, right. Like, that definitely makes more sense than Ryder Medusa. Yeah, it's... it's The one thing I do like, um... And I do remember, I see it on the wiki page, which reminded me, but, um... That Ryder describes Perseus as being, like, quote, a successful Shinji Mato. Um... (laughs) Which makes me sort of grateful that we never had to actually encounter real Perseus, because it probably just would have been a more sympathetic Shinji, and I don't know if anyone wants that. I want a more sympathetic Shinji. I guess I would want a Shinji who was, like, less of a shitlord. And I guess if Perseus was that, that that could be okay, actually. This is actually, like, a weird trend of, like, comparing Greek heroes to Shinji, but different. (laughs) Like, because Jason is the same way. Oh, God, it's true. (laughs) Jason is also equated to Shinji a lot. Uh, I forgot about Jason. I think it's really funny that it's like, yeah, of course, this little piece of shit doesn't even get to be heroic spirit. He's just a whiny baby. All right, so let's see. Okay. What a, yeah, I'm Sorry, looking at the other, no, the other noble phantasms of um, Perseus. So there's... He has Bellerophon, Harpe... H-A-R-P-E. Yeah, it's a divine sword. sword from Greek. Oh, yeah, the hook sword. That thing's cool. Um, oh, it appears inside Gilgamesh's Gate of Babylon in the in Stay Night. That's cool. Yeah, you can see it. Um, its true strength is the trait of refra- refraction of longevity, which is a divine ability that nullifies the undying attribute of immortals. No, oh, the classic. It's here again. <laughs> it's here again. The thing that just makes you be killable and then kills you. <laughs> Uh, so that's that. It's a, a Type Moon classic. Uh, a Cabesis? Bag of Barrier Inversion. Yeah, the sack used by Perseus. Uh, it's like a bag of holding. Hold her head. Um, anti-sealing noble phantasm that distorts the concept of the world through a mirror world-type bounded field that places the inside of the pouch on the outside and the outside of the pouch on the inside. Okay, that sounds cool. That's definitely the worst way of describing... <laughs> I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> that that's such a tight moon explanation. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I guess it, it, there's not a lot of detail on what it's capable of, like in lore, because there's never been anything where it existed. And then the wing sandals. Yeah, the wing sandals allow him to fly freely through the air. Fine. The cape turns him invisible. Hmm. Um. Does he have a cape? Yeah, his mantle. Oh, that's not listed under his noble phantasms. Oh, really? Where are yeah. you? 
I'm just, I'm on the page for Rider Fate Prototype, and then on the right where it has like the drop down, like the the bar oh. with all the stuff at the bottom. There's a drop down menu for Noble Phantasm. Oh, if you just scroll down to uh, abilities. Oh, okay. So I guess that's not a Noble Phantasm. It's just a thing he has. It's just a cape that uh, it's like it was said in Legend to be a helmet that grants invisibility. Uh. But it also allows him to change his appearance at will. While fighting as a servant, he uses it to hide his true form along with his mask. Um, which is where you have like the cool edgy Perseus design where he has like the mask yes. and the cape. That is a very cool mask. It is a cool mask. It's definitely I like the character I would mean in a fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kinda it for Perseus. That was kind of That's kinda it. Yeah. That was kind of an underwhelming one. Ah, he's a cool character. I wish. Wait, I feel like he has to be added to Grand Order eventually. Probably. I know he was in the original leak list, so. Oh, was he really? So I guess he he actually must be added to it eventually. Yeah, it was like him and then like Proto Gil, I think, also was there. Um, oh, huh. So people have been speculating about like a prototype event forever, but like God knows when that'll happen. If it'll right. happen, who knows? All right. I I guess we're... Perseus in uh, the Atlantis Lost Belt. Let's see it happen. Oh, God. It's it's Grease-themed. We know, like, Zeus is there and shit. Yeah, I guess we could have that happen. (laughs) (laughs) You seem unenthusiastic. Oh, God. No, I just, like, the Lost Belts are so much. I love them. They're really cool and awesome, but it's also just, like... Oh, man, if you put Perseus in that Lost Belt, oh, boy. <laughs> There's a lot going down. Is that um? Is that Beryl's Lost Belt, or is that... Uh, no, that's Kirstaria's. That uh, oh, that's Kirstaria's is Atlantis. That's right. Yes. Oh, God. I don't know why. For some reason, I'm just like, uh, just keep the prototype characters there. Give us new weird shit in Lost Belts. That's well, how I I've... feel about Lost Belts. Oh, I think that's a weird take, because it's not like we've actually seen the prototype characters anywhere else. I guess it's fair. That's true. I don't know. I guess I just... I think it's just, like, residual salt from, like, that one, like, 20-minute animated short they released of prototype. Um, do you remember that? <laughs> I do, but why, well, just, why like, does it I thought that salt? was really... I definitely remember after finding out that that existed being like, wow, this is so cool and great. It should have its own thing. Um... And then it just, like, never got its own thing. Uh, yeah, that's true. And I was like, okay. So my hope is just that maybe one day all those characters will get a chance to shine in their, like, original context. And I kind of want that to happen before we get them in other weird Grand Order places. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, uh, Blue and Silver is still publishing, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been following that at all. Um, I, I haven't really either. But maybe, I think it is. And if so, maybe, like, once that's done, there will be a different thing maybe like a, a continuation like, like a, an actual prototype yeah since this is a prequel to prototype yeah it's true huh uh, who knows who knows who knows should we wrap up here i think we'll wrap up here so cool um 15 years of this horrible franchise we can never escape <laughs> Truly, we can't this escape is, our fates. This is the fire that has haunted us since <laughs> we were children. The fire that killed our families. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, 
thanks for watching or not watching listening um uh, leave us a review on apple podcasts or google play music which i think you can also do there and if not just i don't know or leave us a comment on soundcloud um which even though we hit our free soundcloud upload limit we're gonna we're just gonna pay for soundcloud and have more soundcloud space because soundcloud's good and also lets you listen to us at ear numbing flack uncompressed audio (laughs) um so yeah leave us some feedback uh tell your other nerd friends who also maybe are stuck in this franchise with us um about us and tell them to give us a listen if there are any like lore things you'd like to hear us talk about we're open to suggestions Yes, we are. Because we've just kind of been, like, going off of what's happening uh, in the franchise at the current time. And then if there's like, any particular subject I'm feeling frisky about the day we're recording, I'll say, like, hey, why don't we mention this, too? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we should maybe make, like, I was trying to think of, like, if there was some good way to set up, like, a submissions box type thing. But, um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we don't have too many listeners. Just, so you can just tell add us, us on Twitter. Twitter or leave a SoundCloud comment. Um. I think that would probably suffice for now. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell us uh, what you want us to talk about, and maybe we'll talk about it. We probably will. <laughs> unless it's a terrible idea, we'll talk about unless it. It's a ter- unless it's Prillia. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Prillia. Yeah. Word. Okay. All Thanks right. for listening. Uh, oh, one more thing. Oh. Uh, case files. It's happening. Oh, case files. It's happening. It's happening. The case files. Short. I'm so oh. excited. Like everybody I've talked to who watched episode zero of it was like, yo, this is really cool. That was real good. Yeah, and go it was watch... such a good episode. Go watch case. We should just talk about case files at some point. We should just talk about case files at some point. It's Even good. though neither of us really know much about case files. It's true. Catch me at yeah. uh, Anime Boston this spring as the man himself. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I'm going to cosplay Waver. Really? I am. Yuri wants me no to. No way. Yuri wants That's me ama- to. Oh, man. Yeah. So I will. Oh, I'm excited for that. He was just like, Mia, it would be so perfect. Like, look at you. You're, like, tall. You have, like, the face shape. Like, you could put on that awful mid-part wig and it wouldn't look horrible on you. <laughs> I feel like you could do a fairly convincing young waver just by, like, growing out your hair a little bit. That's probably true, too. Yeah, because I did uh, have Oh, I'm excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'll really probably post pictures on the Twitter if that happens. It, it should happen. <laughs> um, I definitely had a thought where I was like, oh, what if I like saw someone vaping at the anime convention? It was like, let me steal your vape so I can make like a waiver vaping meme. <laughs> <laughs> but I've also never smoked a thing in my goddamn life. So <laughs> it would probably be really embarrassing. This is sick. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, stay tuned <laughs> for more. Uh Happy fate anniversary and happy fate anniversary. Yeah, happy fate anniversary. Keep doing your thing. And also happy new year. Yeah, I guess this is our first since New Year. So that too. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Have a good year, everyone. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.